You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. How many, uh, as we get into the message today, um, have heard of the 12 days of Christmas? All right, let me see your hands. 12 days of Christmas. Well, 12 days of Christmas whether you know it or not, actually starts on Christmas Day, December 25th. It's part of the church calendar. It goes from January or December 25th to January 5th. It's part of the church calendar. What's also a part of the church calendar is Advent. And there are four themes, love, joy, hope, and peace. And then we've added faith to that for a five-week series with Christmas in the movies. But this Advent series, we started with the idea of love. Love based on John 3.16, for God so loved the world, right, that he gave his one and only son, that anyone who would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And I just want to pause here for a second. Someone needs to hear this, that you cannot earn God's love. He loved you before you did a single thing, before you even breathed. He loved you. You also cannot escape God's love. He will find you. Aren't you glad if you you found Jesus, he found you? And then you cannot get rid of God's love either. It is unconditional. So no matter what you've done or what you might do, you cannot get away from God's love. So we talked about love. We also have talked about faith. And we looked at Hebrews eleven six, 6. It says it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. And we took a week, last week, if you weren't here, you should go back and listen. Uh, that we talked about truth, love, and power encounters coming together to make our faith explode. Well, today, we're going to take another step with the Advent series and crack the code on joy. And we're going to look at the good news, great joy for all the people. And with that, let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 2, and let's look at these verses together. It's the Christmas story. It says, at the time, the Roman Empire, Augustus, decreed that the census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken uh, when Cornelius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of David, King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth to Galilee. He took with him Mary to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And that night, there were angels, or I'm sorry, shepherds staying in the field nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them. Can you even imagine? And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. 
He said, I bring good news that will bring, say it with me, great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. When you look at that last verse, uh, verse 10, it says, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Today, our focus is going to be on joy. And at first glance, it's a short word, just three letters. It's almost a word that kind of self-defines itself, right? If you took a survey at the mall today, what does it mean to be full of joy? What you would probably hear from most people are words like happiness or elation or extreme happiness. And we all want that, right? We want to be happy. We want to be joyful in that way. People will say, do whatever makes you happy, or we're going to live a life of liberty, or life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? But church, we learned this a few weeks ago in our Fruit of the Spirit when we looked at joy. Joy and happiness are not the same. Joy did not, or Jesus did not come to live and die for you to be happy. Sorry to say, Jesus came to make us holy and to provide a way for us. Jesus doesn't say, oh, I'll make you feel good. I'll make you happy. But he does say that he came to bring great joy. And it's embedded right in the Christmas story. The joy Jesus brings is out of his essence. It's out of who he is. It's a deep sense, this trust, this surrender that, that comes. And Rick Warren, who wrote the greatest book uh, other than the Bible, uh, the most copies sold of a Christian book called The Purpose Driven Life. How many read that, remember that back in the day? Uh, he said this in that book, that joy is the settled assurance that God God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right and the determined choice to praise God in every circumstance. Now, you can see this idea. That is a great uh, idea of what joy is rooted biblically. You can see the Psalms in the Proverbs talking a lot about joy. There are other places in Scripture that talk about joy. But could you imagine, could you believe with me this morning that the same could be true if we looked at the movie Elf? How many is with me? The 2003 classic, it's a Thanksgiving uh, day tradition for the vase. Um, how many have seen the movie? Let me see your hands, all right? Okay, all right. Now, how many have never seen the movie? All right, we got a few. We had some first service too. This blows my mind that you haven't seen the movie Elf. I thought every family on Thanksgiving Day watched the movie Elf. And I guess it's just at our house. But it is a favorite. It's good for a good laugh. It speaks to joy for sure. And just in case you've got a self-righteous uh, uh, personality and you're saying, I can't believe that the church is talking about movies and trying to relate it to Jesus, let's just remember that Jesus used parables too which are just made-up stories with a point, and he was relatable, and we're trying to be relatable as well. So let's talk about it. In the movie Elf, it starts off that Buddy was an orphan, right? He was an orphan, and he ends up in Santa's bag. He grows up 
with Papa Elf at the North Pole. And it wasn't until a few years later that he realized, or that he actually didn't realize, that he wasn't an elf. He couldn't do elf things. Poor buddy. And he finds out that he's not human. He finds out that his dad is from New York City, but is on the naughty list. And by the way, we could look at joy in this movie. We could also look at family connections, family ties. And um, if you haven't already, uh, there are also leadership lessons that you can see out of these movies. And our very own Joel Alone is writing a blog every Thursday. It's being posted, and that'll be the case for this week and next week as well, leading up to the new year. But in the movie, Buddy leaves the North Pole. He passes through the seven levels of the candy cane forest, through the sea of swirly, twirly gumdrops, and then he walked through the Lincoln Tunnel, and then boom, he gets hit by a cab because he has no idea what's going on. He crosses the street, he's hit by a cab, and in the movie Elf, it's interesting, and I will see it tonight if you're with us, that every scene in the movie is gloomy. There's There's a lack of joy overriding the movie Elf. It's cloudy even at the North Pole. It's like West Michigan winter. (laughs) Gloomy, dark, cloudy, wet, cold, snowy. Watch for it. Yeah, watch for it tonight. But what's interesting is not just the background is dark and cloudy, but Most of the characters, with the exception of Buddy the Elf, they are lacking joy. Let's look at it. How about his dad and then his wife, right? His dad is in a dead-end job. Uh, He's got deadlines that he's having a hard time meeting. There's a misprint in a book, and he says, just send it through. He is lacking joy. How about his brother, Michael, right? He's disconnected from his dad, only has a couple friends, and he's kind of an awkward kid, if you, if you know what I mean. And then there's Jovi. And I said first service that she was homeless. She actually wasn't homeless. She just was struggling to make bills and didn't have hot water, is what Jessica told me uh, after. But she, she is showering at work, and she is, you'll hear tonight, she says, I just want to make it through the season. Season. So there's this lack of joy. A lack of joy also with the manager at Gimbel's, right? He's stressed out. He's paranoid. How about in the mail room? We see it's dark and dreary. Definitely a lack of joy. And then there's Miles Finch on the right over there. He's the little guy that comes in to help, and Buddy calls him an angry elf, and he jumps over the counter or over the table and takes Buddy out. You know he's lacking joy. And not only these characters, but even Papa Elf and Santa Claus are lacking joy as well. Papa Elf is discouraged. He says, it's not like years of old. Santa says, there's just no Christmas spirit anymore. And then there's the shining light. Buddy the Elf. (laughs) He's the bright spot in the movie, right? Six foot four in yellow leggings. If that doesn't say joy, I don't know what does. Buddy the Elf, he is quite different. He's a standout. He's the eternal optimist. He brings all this fun. And according to Buddy, it's it's the joy. The key there is candy, candy canes, candy corn, and syrup, not cotton candy, And the key is to sing loudly for all to 
here. And at the end of the movie, we'll get there in a second, we see uh, that that makes the difference. And by the way, if you're here tonight with us at the movies, my expectation is that we will sing loud for all to hear together. Otherwise, don't show up. No, you can show up. But anyway, it's a real modern-day parable, the movie Elf. But it's interesting that not only do we see a lack of joy in Elf, we also saw a lack of joy in the Christmas story. In Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7 that we read a few moments ago, you know it was not an easy time for Mary and Joseph. There was a census being called, and it was inconvenient. They had to travel And when you read between the lines and you study uh, history, it was all about control and about uh, about, uh, power. They arrived to their hometown, and they were expecting, hey, we're pregnant, welcome home. And it was, no, 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 there's not even a place for you. You can stay in the stable. And then once Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph, their, their life They were living it on the run for the first several years, trying to avoid Herod's murderous threats. But in that story, in the Christmas story, kind of like Buddy the Elf, we'll see here in a second, Jesus was the bright spot. And before we get too far, looking ahead at, at the Christmas story, let's take a look at our own lives. How many know that sometimes there's a lack of joy, especially at Christmas I think the enemy works overtime to steal our joy. In 1 Peter 5, 8, it says that the enemy, uh, just we're to stay alert, to watch out, because our enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Just this morning, if I was honest, I woke up and I was feeling a little melancholy. I asked one of our elders to pray for me and Jessica as well. And uh, in fact, when Jessica came in today, she was feeling a little down. She's like, I'm like, hey, how are you? And she's like, Ugh. I'm like, what's going on? She literally had her coffee and a water bottle, her purse and her phone in her hand. She's walking out and she dropped her phone. It busted and I, it's irreparable. Unfortunately, it appears. Uh, But she dropped her phone and spilled coffee all over her, all over her jeans, hot coffee. She had to change, and she got here just as church was starting, which was unusual for service. And I knew something was wrong. But again, sometimes there's a lack of joy. And what happens is it can steal our our joy, and there's a lot of things. And it can become a huge impact in our lives if we're not careful. We can let worry and anxiety take control. Fear. I really appreciated the the songs that we were singing this morning about fear is not our future and and things like that. Stress can kind of sneak in for sure. And the idea that that Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year for some seems like a fairy tale. Maybe your spouse walks out and been cheating on you, or there's a terminal diagnosis, or there's an accident with a life-changing consequences, and you think of the most wonderful time of the year, and if you're honest, you're just barely making it. A lack of joy, maybe around what you've already spent for Christmas, thinking about how in the world are you going to pay for this, or maybe your job is on its last leg, 
or maybe a friend has betrayed you, or maybe your kids are estranged or on the verge of it. And then I was thinking the most wonderful time of year, there's a lot of family drama in a lot of families. How many are with me? Someone said this. It wasn't me, but I did, it did make my notes, that family is the best and the worst part of Christmas. Not for us. Not for us. No, no. My, my in-laws are right here. <laughs> not enough. Not at us. But what do we do, right? We pretend. We dress up. We overspend. How many have the Amazon problem? The one click is, is an issue. Thank you. Uh, same. <laughs> Husband's raising his wife's hand. That's so funny. We medicate. It could be food or drugs or pornography or excess in any way. Sometimes it's social media. It's Instagram, Facebook. And how many get caught up like I do with those reels? Those reels become a reels problem if we're not careful. And again, we pretend. We pretend we're the experts on joy. We throw a Christmas party. We have the celebrations, gifts and bows, and maybe we take a trip, or maybe there's a Christmas bonus or, or time, extra time off. But the truth is, is all those things fade all too quickly. Am I right? January's coming. <laughs> and a real lack of joy. But the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.16 that we're to always be joyful. But church, hear me loud and clear. We cannot do this on our own. We cannot do it on our own, and neither could the characters in the movie Elf. And that's why Buddy comes in. Buddy transforms Gimbal's, right, is the department store. And the manager comes in. He's like, somebody was sent in from corporate. This is too good. And uh, he transforms uh, their house, right? And uh, it cuts down a tree and, and brings it in. It's like Buddy to the rescue. He's bringing joy. How about Elf with uh, Jovi, his girlfriend, or his, his love affair in the, in the movie, right? It's ice skating. It's the world's best cup of coffee. It's the Christmas tree at Rockefeller. It, he's bringing joy into Jovi's life. And even Buddy and his bro- stepbrother, Michael, he's there for Michael. He's at the snowball fight. It's, he's at it's Santa in the park, and it's Buddy to the rescue. So many fun Moments And at the end of the movie, Santa's sleigh is struggling. There's a lack of Christmas spirit. And you know it's the singing loud for all to hear that we're all going to be a part of tonight. And uh, Buddy, because of his influence on Michael and Jovi, they work together in, in uh, Central Park, which, by the way, Jessica and I were just there a few weeks ago. It was awesome. And, uh, and we see Buddy save Christmas as he flies away in Santa's sleigh. It was Buddy the Elf who saved Christmas. Now, we see him saving almost like a Messiah figure. Stick with me for a second. He brings joy. He's the lone hero coming from afar. He's a son from the north coming down to New York. And let's face it, one of the most unlikely people to make a difference. And the people around him weren't going to do it on their own. They needed that rush of joy. 
And the same is true for us. If 1 Thessalonians 5.16 is going to be uh, true for us, to always be joyful, we need someone to rush in as well. And the Christmas story provides that person. It's Jesus coming to our rescue. We cannot do joy on our own. But right in the Christmas story, Luke chapter 2, verse 10, says the angels reassure them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. That includes us this morning. It's the Messiah, the true Messiah, the lone hero, the only one and the only way to get to heaven, coming down from heaven, the Son of God, coming down to earth. And you look at Jesus' life from start to finish, his birth, his life as a child, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, the entire story can be wrapped up with joy in mind. But again, we can't experience that joy on our own. We need Jesus. Come on, say that with me. We need Jesus. Jesus. We need more than the Christmas season. We need a Savior, and a Savior has been born. We are powerless, we're broken, and Jesus, the Savior, saves us from ourselves, from our sin. And as I was preparing this week, there was one other word other than joy that kind of made its way to the top, and it's related to joy. And the word is repentance. Repentance is the key to our long-term joy. I read this this week. If you want to rob yourself of joy, keep sinning. That's worth repeating. If you want to rob yourself of joy, just keep sinning. The only bad time to repent is later. And today is your day to repent because re there's joy and repentance leads to refreshing. And there are people here today that need to be refreshed in the Holy Spirit. Now that terminology, joy, that Rick Warren said, it's the unsettled assurance that God is in control of all our details, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything's going to be all right, and the determined choice to praise God, that only happens when we accept Jesus and we repent and we continue to repent. I'm going to ask the worship team to join me uh, this morning as we bring today's message to a close. Today, the joy that we will find True joy is found when we repent. There are, it's possible that today there are those that are here that don't have a relationship with Jesus. And before we leave, we want to offer you the free gift of salvation. Your joy will skyrocket when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I just want to with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today, you're saying, that's me. I need Jesus to save me. I need that. I want you just to lift up your hand, and I wanna, we're going to pray for you. 
not going to embarrass you, not going to call you out, but who here? First service. Yes, thank you. Got a couple hands. Yeah, three hands. Thank you. Anyone else? Four. Thank you. Yes. Five in the back. Six in the back. Thank you. Today is a day of salvation. The only bad time to repent is later. If you are in a place where you need repentance. Anyone else? With your hands raised. Yes. Thank you. Yes, young man up front. Thank you. Anyone else? Yeah. You can put your hands down. For the sake of the five or six or seven that raised their hands, I want to just lead us in a sinner's prayer. The words of this prayer will not save you, but it's your belief in Jesus. And so let's combine our belief, our faith in Jesus this morning. Would you say this with me? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for the sin in my life. Please forgive me. I believe that you lived and you died for me. But you didn't stay dead. You rose from the grave. And today I put my faith in you. Take away my sin. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And the angels in heaven rejoice. Thank the Lord for the several here this morning that are coming back to the Lord. I want to speak to repentance even after a salvation moment. Let me just say I've been saved the majority of my life. I got saved in 1985. But over and over, I need to come back to the Lord and repent of my sin. How many know that just because you're saved doesn't mean we're going to be completely holy until heaven? And that at that point, we will be. But if you're here this morning and you have something in your heart, you're saying, man, I need to clear something up with the Lord. I want you to raise your hand where you are as well. Who would just be honest enough to say, yeah, there's, there are things that I need repentance for in my life. Lots of hands, yeah, absolutely. And I just want to assure you, I wish I could talk one-on-one -on -one with you. We can in the lobby if you want. The moment you repent, it will turn to great joy. The pressure comes off. You bring things into the light, and there is refreshing that is seen. And I long for that for you. I long for that for me as well. I want you to stand. And there's one final verse that caught my attention this week. I wasn't sure exactly how to incorporate it in the message. And Pastor Bobby said, do it at the end. And we got a great song that will tie in and, uh, and we'll do that. But in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it talks about Jesus and joy. Let's look at it. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. That's the sin that we we're just talking about, that, that need for repentance. It says, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And then verse 2 says this, we do this by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And then it says this, 
because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarded its shame, and now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. It's an interesting verse when you look at it. The joy set before Jesus, it wasn't that he would endure the cross or that he would even sit at the right hand of the Father. What is that joy he's talking about? I believe he was looking through time and he saw each and every one of us. We are his joy. That it was enough to send him to the cross to ensure that we could live with him forever. We are the fulfillment of that joy. And again, it's rooted in Jesus. We can't experience true joy without him. Pastor Bobby, you can bring us to close. Amen. Yeah, in Hebrews 12, it comes on the heels of Hebrews chapter 11, which we talked about uh, when we discuss faith in this series. And it shares a story of a bunch of people. We call it the, the Hall of Fame of Faith or the Hall of Faith. Um, but you read it, and it doesn't seem very joyful either. At one point, it talks about someone being sawed in two. Um, and so for us, when we think about our faith and when we think about joy, um, sometimes we're reminded of how we're not full of joy right now, how we are uh, going through the ringer. And it's just a great reminder in this passage that for the joy set before him, he endured and they tell us to endure too, that whenever we look to Christ and we look at his endurance on the cross and we see him looking ahead to salvation, to making everything right, to his bringing wholeness and restoration everything, it allows us to find joy in what we're facing. It allows us to persevere and find endurance in what we're going through. And also it helps us to know that in the midst of any situation we're facing, whether we're struggling to find joy, we can also look at our savior who has gone through so much, who knows everything that we're facing as well. And so with that, I want you to close your eyes and, and I want you to think for a moment of maybe something, uh, if you are struggling with something, if, if there's a, a darkness, if there's a prayer need, if there's a lost family member, if there's hurt uh, in the past, trauma that you're facing, or if you're even just struggling to find joy because it's winter, or maybe there's mental health, things that you're, you're struggling with, I want you to think of those things and I want you to metaphorically, maybe with your eyes still closed, place them in your hands and just offer them up to God. When we raise our hands, this is part of the symbol that it represents. Us giving these needs, giving these cares, giving these situations, giving even our feelings to him. Knowing that he knows what we're going through. He knows what we're facing. And he can do more with our needs, with our hurts, with our cares than we can. So let's offer these things to him in full surrender today. Jesus' uh, very first sermon that he ever preached in Matthew 4, uh, he opens up to Isaiah chapter 9, and he says, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who are living in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has dawned. And he said, repent, 
for the kingdom of God is at hand and believe this good news. That is our good news. That is the joy that we have set before us, that the king is here, that the king has come for us. Dear Jesus, we just thank you that, Lord, every other, every other religion, every other faith sees God as this thing that they can't touch, this person that they have to strive for, this being that they have to come up to his standards. But God, we thank you that you came down and you dwelled among us, that you reached for us, that the God of the universe chose to come as a baby, helpless, defenseless, meek, gentle, that the God of the universe has wept, has bled, knows our pain and our hurt and our anguish, has faced betrayal. We thank you that you are holy other and yet relatable. Jesus, we thank you that you've showed us a way that you are the true king and you came and you served. Lord, and just like for the joy set before you, you endured, you have called us to endure as well, to persevere, to be people who bring joy. Lord, that the land that we live in is just like the land that you talked about in Isaiah 9. It's just like the land that was talked about in Elf, that it is gloominess, it is dark, that people are looking for hope, that they are looking for joy. And Lord, let them find you and let us be your ambassadors. Let us be your hands and your feet. Let us be bringers of light and bringers of joy and introduce them to the good news, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in us. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do through us as we leave this place as changed people, bringing light into the dark places. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory and all the honor. It's in your mighty and powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. You can go in the grace of God, and we'll see you at Cinema Carousel tonight. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.